Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Are you still relying on a frustrating patchwork of legacy solutions? Modernize your cybersecurity and data protection with Acronis CyberProtect Cloud. It's a single solution that combines backup, anti-malware, and endpoint protection management. As an MSP, you can easily improve client security posture, eliminate complexity, and generate more recurring revenue. Learn more about Acronis CyberProtect Cloud at acronis.com. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by Ron Pelletier, who is with Ponderance. And uh, Ron is the original founder of Ponderance, having started the company from his basement in 2008. He has over 25 years of cybersecurity advisory experience. He started his career as an officer in the U.S. Army, followed by nine years with big four firm, EY. Uh, And so today we're going to talk about ransomware and cybersecurity and insurance and all the stuff everybody hates. (laughs) Welcome, sir. Thank you. Good, Good afternoon. Is there anything else that you would like to add about your background, particularly uh, with regard to uh, what you're doing today? Um, I think the only thing I'd add is that it's it's been a great ride, uh, you know, so far, and uh, uh, I'm happy to continue with the organization as, as we've transitioned uh, and and have been able to catapult on more of a national stage. Um, it's been um, you know interesting to see. Uh, things grow and um you know the the leadership that's come on board um you know from from very prominent backgrounds and so uh you know it's been uh, you know just just great to see them carry the the mission forward especially when it comes to serving clients especially those in the you know the smb market um so tell us about ponderance what what does ponderance do specifically so ponderance is a managed detection and response company First and foremost, we also provide a great deal of advisory experience. But going back to the former, uh, from a managed services standpoint, we provide uh, a wide array of monitoring services that provide not only uh, a strong level of prevention at the endpoints, but then all the way up to the network security monitoring, which provides us just a great look into the client environment to see everything that's moving, coming in, going out, affecting everything uh, at the endpoint so that we can then provide uh, the right level of response for our customers, whether it's something that needs immediate action, whether we can take an action to quarantine uh, something or becomes a full-blown incident. And that's one of the differentiators is that we are a full incident response organization. And I guess our, our Analysts are always on the precipice of that response, right, because of the way they monitor and uh, looking for hunting for uh, events and, and threats. And we can easily transition into that mode. So, um, you know, we bring that full uh, you know, closed loop response capability. So when you say incident response, uh, are you looking, are you trying to prevent the exfiltration of data? Yeah, it's a whole gamut of things. Uh, you know, one of, uh, of course, is, you know, a, a breach uh, of any sort. But, you know, if you think about 
the various threats, you know, for information assets overall, not just a data breach or exfiltration, uh, but it could be uh, a denial of service or, uh, you know, some other level of activism that is, you know, trying to take an organization down. So, you know, what we find is the vast majority of attacks are financially motivated, but there are so many other motivations too uh, that, uh, you know, organizations really have to take note of and prepare for. So some of that is also the, the only motivation is random. Like you have an IP address. My my random program found you. So because, you know, the, the problem with cybersecurity is everybody seems to to address one twelfth of the problem. And, and then whenever an incident happens, they point and say, well, we did our job. Right. All you guys failed to do your job. Um, it seems to me the ultimate the ultimate safety valve for a company is to have a great disaster recovery system so they can get their data back in place. But if it's already been stolen or compromised before that, you can get your data back and get your, your systems back, uh, but the data is still gone and somebody else has a copy of it. Right. Right. You know, that what you just said that you categorize, you know, every organization essentially has to, um, you know, plan to avoid, but prepare to respond. And, you know, essentially it is not to be you know too dramatic, but uh, not if, uh, but when type of mm -hmm. scenario, I think that uh, uh, that's sort of been uh, you know, known now or become known. And, you know, it becomes an exercise of let's make sure we can limit the opportunity for risk and exploit or something that's going to you know, create an adverse effect for us. But we know that we can't uh, become Fort Knox. We can't isolate systems and put each one in an air gap. Nothing gets done. Business doesn't work that way. And so you have to hang yourself out there. Really the key of the balance is trying to find the right level of of risk acceptance and, and, and not trying to put all your eggs in a, in a technology basket. Technology is great for helping to solve problems, but on their own merits are not going to get you there. And so, you know, being in that position, uh, you know, to say, this is the level of risk we're willing to accept. And here are the controls that are gonna get us there. And now let's monitor, let's reduce our attack surface, essentially the ways that uh, a threat actor could exploit, uh, but let's monitor. Now we can watch the the, the home front here, making sure that uh, um, we're adding an extra level of you know, dynamic monitoring. Very cool. So, um, do you have your relationship with the MSP or with their clients directly? So it varies. You know, we. Uh, do a lot of client to client, right? So an organization will uh, engage with us for uh, either MDR services or the advisory services that include anything from a virtual chief information security officer uh, to testing, penetration testing at the network, at the application, uh, and various other uh, compliance type uh, of advisors. So we will engage directly with customers although there are times where we do engage directly with the managed services providers so that you know, they might bring us in and together we provide a, uh, a very compelling um, uh, you know, one-two punch where we bring the expertise for security and the MSP brings, of course, the expertise for making the system run effectively and efficiently. I'd say that most of our relationships are directly with the client and we might find ourselves side-by-side -side with their MSP 
but uh, mostly the the contracts are run through the, the the client directly. So you don't compete with MSPs. You you don't try to take over their networks. <laughs> well, that's uh, yeah, that's that's a difficult thing to 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 say or to to confirm. Uh, while we don't offer the services that they offer, uh, the converse is not true, right? A lot of times MSPs will try to uh, provide security services. Now, this isn't me at all uh, trying to speak pejoratively about uh, an MSP, right? You bring the right skill sets in, and you can you know certainly carry forward uh, this this uh, solution. But Ponderance does not get into the management of systems in any regard. We stick to the security uh, side of things, the advisory, as well as the monitoring, the incident response. There's very limited actions we'll take. Most of it, if you know it's an emergent situation where we can uh, quarantine something or sink it into you know a contained area. Um, but otherwise, we leave that to the to the MSP. So, okay, good. Because what I was looking for is you don't compete. You don't like go in and try to take their clients. <laughs> like, oh, I, I see. Right? Yeah, I can, I, let me make a comment about that. So uh, you're right. We don't compete in that. We don't try to uh, steal their clients, right? You know, our, our mantra is none of us is as smart as all of us. And together we make a very compelling um one-two punch where we provide the security, the the client, or excuse me, the MSP provides the management of systems. Uh, and it's, so it's a very uh, symbiotic relationship in, in that regard. So, uh, you know, we work very well together. Good. Uh, so, so what does it look like? Uh, do you, you monitor a site and if something happens, are you, um, authorized to take action immediately, or do you need to contact the client, contact the MSP and say, this is happening, you need to be aware of it, and here are the actions we recommend. So how, how does it work? Yeah, it depends on the nature of the issue. You know, our our responsibility, the way we position it is, we want to not only identify, um, you know, potential activities that are of concern or issues, um, you know, events, we want to also confirm them. So by going that extra step and making sure this, this issue is real, we've lowered the false positive rate dramatically. So essentially, um, you know, it's something that the organization or the MSP needs to be uh, brought fully into um, in, in that regard. So we take some actions that, that certainly can be um, direct response. And, you know, we're limited in that regard because it's something that we build this relationship with the customer and their resources or the MSP. We're working side by side. They're the experts on configuring the systems and managing the systems. And so together, what we will do is go forward and tackle uh, an issue. So there are some limited uh, responses we can take that are that are not automated per se, but they do provide uh, you know some level of, uh, of of direct action on our part. Okay. And um, what size of end user client is ideal for your services? Oh, for Ponderance, our range is, is very, it's vast. And, and it's a good thing because our service, the solution we bring forward, uh, scales very well all the way from a, um, a, a 10 person uh, organization, perhaps a nonprofit, all the way up to a um, 
tens of thousands type of organization at more of an enterprise, you know, type of, of level. Um, and so uh, it varies to, to that extent. So um, I, the first thing that I think about of is, uh, is there, does this mean there's another agent on the client system? So they got the MSP and their, their remote monitoring and patch management. Uh, and then they got uh, ponderance on top of that. Uh, does that cause confusion for the client or does that, you know, cause any issues? It certainly can if it's not orchestrated in the right way. And that is one of the first things that we want to understand. When we bring the solution forward, we want to understand the hierarchy. We want to understand the uh, responsibilities, accountabilities, um, and, and those that need to be consulted uh, and informed. So this whole RACI model, we want to make sure we apply that because there's no room for error, especially where time is concerned. And so we'll exercise with clients to make sure we have the right uh, uh, level of response, the right timing uh, involved. But it takes a, uh, a coordinated effort. And a lot of times we, we, we have a maybe a chief information security officer or at least an IT director that sort of plays that quarterback. Uh, but we work directly with the, the um, um, the IT engineers, you know, whether it's with the client or with the MSP, depending on the situation, uh, to make sure that we we stop the bleeding, so to speak, and that way we can bring others into the mix uh, as um, as it makes sense. So, with the the way things are today, which is very depressing for some people, <laughs> uh, a lot of consultants are like, "Man, I just I don't want to do security anymore." It's it's too dangerous. The insurance is out of this world. And I don't, you know, I want to outsource that. Um, but in order for that to work, you need to have a reasonable cost structure, right? Because the client is now paying for an IT consultant and all of their software and all of their monitoring and, you know, da 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 da. da. And now another thing on top of that. So, um, how do you make that affordable for, for end users? Well, it's a great question because you're right. If left to the, the the client, the organization that's trying to, let's say, build a security competency that might include staff um, and even resources that are trying to monitor on a consistent basis, it becomes a challenge. And there's a tendency at times to uh, over uh, purchase or, or over rely on core technology. And so what we bring is a very composite and elegant solution where it's the right mix of technology. It's the right mix of human resources and analysts. And so, um, you know, we bring that forth in uh, a very economical way because our SOC never takes a vacation, uh, never goes to sleep and is always on, uh, on the job. And it's difficult for uh, an organization to be able to do the same unless you're talking about your fortune, you know, 50, maybe even 100 companies um, that, uh, you know, can, can afford that. The reality is, is that security is a scarcity business. We have 
uh, a, a great need for additional professionals uh, to be able to do this this type of work, and it's creating you know some some gap, and it's certainly a very difficult prospect for a client organization to maintain that competency in-house because as soon as they get trained, now this person can say, wow, I'm gonna put my stuff out there and guess what? It can be snapped up by a consultant or uh, you know, another uh, you know, type of, of managed uh, services provider. And so uh, it, it is a difficult prospect, but bringing that economic economy, let's say it that way, economy uh, to the client organization in terms of technology, the service overall, and you know, then the incident response makes a lot of sense. Very cool. So um, with, the, I guess, insurance being what it is, are you seeing that your clients have an easier time getting insurance? Uh, because, you know, one of the things I've seen is, uh, you know, end users have come to me and said, we can't get insurance. It's not, it used to be built into our business policy. Now we have to bolt it on and we can't afford it. <laughs> Right, you know, I think when the cyber insurance company was was relatively young, um, and it, it's not terribly old now, but uh, um, you know, they were writing a lot of policies as fast as they could, and this isn't, uh, you know, a slight against them, right? It's a business model, and you know, it, it came to the point where you've got new. Um, carriers and, and brokers entering the fray and continuing uh, to write business. And then, you know, go back two, three uh, years, especially where, you know, the, the ransomware outbreak just became, um, you know, in, in, its, in its own right, an endemic. And, uh, you know, it, it created a lot of, of hardship for the insurance companies because now, you know, they're paying out large sums and the threat actors have become aware of what insurance will do and will cover and will raise their, their demands accordingly um, to ensure that they can maximize their payment, their ransom. Well, you won't say anything bad about them, but I will just tell you from my perspective, the insurance companies created this problem themselves. They <laughs> yeah. sold these things like uh, like extended warranties because they were super profitable and the payouts were $100 here and $100 there. But now all of a sudden they're having to pay out on promises they made without doing due diligence about whether or not the client had secured their own systems. And so- yeah. You know, I got no love lost for them. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that the the ones that are really good and, and even from the onset realized that this was, you know, a future problem. These are the ones that we're doing business with. Um, you know, they, they're the ones that still... Uh, are in a great business model and have been um, and, and do well by their clients um, and, and making sure that they can uh, get them to be uh, insurable, right? And, and that's the challenge is that there are some, you know, some, some basic criteria that organizations really have to be able to demonstrate now to be even considered uh, insurable. And, you know, those are challenges. And even those that have not experienced an incident, well, it's likely there's two factors here to think about. Your premium is likely to go up by at least 50%, in some cases, 100%, some cases, 200%. The other factor is you've got to get your application and your renewal application in very early. We're talking months because of that backlog and because of the scrutiny um, and, you know, the underwriting that's now involved in ensuring that uh, the, 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 the company is making the right decision, you know, to provide you with, uh, with liability insurance. Uh, I had not heard someone state that before that, you know, you gotta, you gotta get your application in early because 
this is not a this is no longer a case where you can just check the box and uh, <laughs> pay an extra hundred dollars and now you got cyber insurance. No, it's it's very scrutinized now. And you know what? Again, these are the ones the the companies, the insurance companies that that are still you know in this business. You know, they've learned some lessons, but they've also um, you know these are the ones that started recognizing early on that this could uh, become an issue, and they plan for it. So they're working, they're doing well by their customers by you know making sure that they're aware of what the new requirements are or highlighting uh, past requirements that may not be longer okay for an organization organization just to say, yep, I've got it. Well, now you've got to say yes. And, you know, what is it that you can demonstrate, you know, or, or, you know, what can you tell us to demonstrate that this is in fact, uh, in effect, it is implemented and it's sustained. Uh, so there's a lot more scrutiny that that is applied. Certainly. Have the insurance companies as a rule come up with a nice little checklist that I can say, okay, here, I do this, this thing, I fill out this 112 question uh, audit and, and now I can get insurance? So, you know, at the root, all of their questionnaires, uh, I'll say sort of rhyme, right? They all come from the same themes, just maybe ask questions a different way, but it's not necessarily a, uh, you can lay one template over the other. There are some companies that care more about certain, uh, you know, mitigation measures or control measures than than others. Some want to go a little bit deeper. Uh, you know, we're actually trying to put together uh, a conjoined list of, you know, a, a an aggregated list of those questions that are asked by some of the major carriers, which is, uh, you know, an interesting exercise. Uh, but that's something we can offer, you know, to our clients to help them prepare as they move to either renew or, in some cases believe it or not, uh, obtain cyber insurance for the first time. Oh, I completely believe it. <laughs> I, I can't remember the stat, but I think a majority of companies don't have cyber insurance, which just blows my mind, right? I mean, it's... Um, but people make, people make choices, so. Yeah, you know, along those lines, when I started talking about motivations, um, you know, by, by threat actors, this is where it can become really scary for, for multiple organizations. And it doesn't have to be a company that has sensitive data, right? So what I mean by these different motivations, um, the threat actors, well, I said, most attacks are financially motivated, clearly. Um, there are uh, enough, motivations out there that you don't have to be uh, a company that has sensitive private information or credit card information or financial information. Unis may be hanging out there and if a company can come in and they can effectuate ransomware, it doesn't matter if you're a nonprofit organization or if you're a hospital, if they can score a win and 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 uh, be compensated you know, for that, then they're absolutely going to, to take that step. However, there are times where maybe it's an issue of hacktivism, right? Something where an organization doesn't like your politics, doesn't like what you stand for. And in this world that we're in now, where things are have never been more, more polarized, uh, there's a lot of cases like that that are uh, actually happening. One that comes to mind, interestingly, has happened with, uh, with, with Kellogg, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the brand, the, the cereal uh, brand, where um, because of the strike that was happening and... Uh, you know, some issues with, with labor, uh, they resorted to hiring all new uh, staff and their site, their human resources site was actually flooded with fake uh, um, resumes and other things that actually, you know, created some bandwidth 
issues. Now, I'm not saying Kellogg had an incident or an issue like that, but if you think about that as a microcosm of a larger event, if somebody doesn't like what you do, then they can set their sights on taking you down. And it's not a financial compensation model. It's just that I don't like you and I'm going to create harm uh, for you. So, so those are some things uh, you know, to, to be concerned about, whether you're a nonprofit or a manufacturing company, which uh, manufacturing companies didn't uh, uh, you know, have any necessary regulatory drivers a while back. Uh, but now you know, they get religion very quickly when uh, ransomware is out there, it can strike them at, at any minute. So, so a lot of you know, different motivations that are compelling organizations of all industries, of all sizes, to have to do something to address cybersecurity. So let's just take a break. So make sure everybody has the website um, and uh, the best way to, to contact you. Is that Ponderance, P-O-N-D-U-R-A-N-C-E.com? That's what it is, yes. Very good. And um, if folks go there uh, as an MSP, is there like a program they can sign up for, a partner program, or uh, what? how would they engage? Yeah, so our, our site is is very engaging you know, to start with. So you know, there's some level of automation with it, but uh, you can easily talk to uh, what we like to say on the site of Threat Hunter uh, very quickly, right? Somebody who is on the front lines, who is doing this work, um, you know, for for the good of uh, of our customers. Um, but you know, we want to uh, engage in a variety uh, of ways. I think that the the whole MDR. Um, solution is still taking root. I think it's been, uh, you know, just, just been labeled in a lot of ways. And then there's this concept of XDR uh, and so forth. You know, what's interesting about Ponderance is we've been doing this, uh, you know, since uh, the, around the 2015, 2016 uh, timeframe, right? So we were way ahead of the curve to begin with, uh, which is, you know, given us a, a great head start, you know, where we've incorporated multiple layers from the network security monitoring to these SIM, you know, level machine data correlation and monitoring to the endpoint detection and response. And so um, our site can provide even some education on what this all means and the benefit that it provides. Whereas a lot of companies in the past have just had a SIM, a security incident event management tool. Now that's that's not enough because if you don't have a team that's monitoring, if you haven't tuned it down so that you're getting rid of the noise, then you may have a propensity to ignore some of the alerts that are coming through. Uh, not because um, you don't think they're real. It's just that you don't know if they're real, right? If, if you're if, if you've got uh, hundreds of thousands of events that are coming in that have to be parsed down and and inspected, it becomes difficult, right? So that is something that uh, um, you know our site can can provide some education with to make sure that uh, you know you're taking the right steps. Very good. Um, and so uh, if. MSPs want to, I guess, get out of the security business or outsource that. Um, do you allow them to resell your services? We do. We have a partnering program. Now, one thing Ponderance is very careful about is we don't, uh, you know, so to speak, white label where we don't want to be de-identified, right? Because our analysts are very actively engaged, not only with 
the MSP, but sometimes with the client, right? And it's too easy, uh, you know, these days, you know, for, for organizations to look up somebody and see, oh, who's this ponder? And so I thought Company X was my managed services provider. Uh, but we do partner with, you know, that uh, that gray label, right? We will work under their contract if needed um, to be able to engage and go forward and uh, provide this service with the MSP as our customer, uh, but also interacting with their customer directly as needed too. I got to say, uh, today, I'm not sure I would ever consider white labeling uh, a service like yours, just because if something goes wrong, I want to make sure it's clear. Like, hey, I didn't, I was not in charge of the security. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there, there can be some some distancing like that that uh, you know may be desired, and and you know what, that's fine. To us, we want to be front and center. Um, you know, we want to not only tell the experience, but bring the real experience, bring that true competency uh, to the table. Right. Well, I mean, even way back when managed services first started, I remember having discussions with people that this is ultimately a game of moving the liability around. Right, that you are taking on the liability for your clients' systems, and so you need you need to behave yourself and make sure you take that very seriously. Um, so now, if we're at the stage where you say, "Okay, and now I want to move that liability uh, to uh, ponderance uh, and, and and the insurance companies," uh, that's a legitimate you know way to look at it as well. Yeah, it is. You know, we're a great partner. You know, we do right by our, our customers. We do right by our partners and, you know, making sure that, uh, uh, you know, we bring our game uh, in any case. And so uh, it's a great prospect, you know, compelling prospect to, to work, you know, with us. And we will never step into your uh, arena. And, and uh, um, you know, we, we, we work well together. Very good. So uh, we're basically out of time, but uh, final question, I guess, is uh, where, what's the best way for people to get started? Is it to go to the website and sort of poke around a little bit, or is it to engage, uh, what'd you call them, the incident fighters? Oh, our threat hunters. Threat hunters. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a show on Netflix. You know? Yeah, doesn't it? You know, it, it sounds... Uh... Uh, you know, it, but but you know that's that's what these folks are, and you know, just one thing to say about our solution and something we subscribe to uh, wholeheartedly is that I mentioned the fact that technology can't solve your problems. We have to involve the human, right? Our technology makes the human being stronger, but we still have the capability of, you know, of human thought, right? To think like humans because our adversaries are humans. We have to counter humans with humans. If we leave technology to the fray, then a lot of times we're going to be disappointed um, overall because technology can be circumvented, right? It's been proven that every technology form of technology can be at some point um, and, you know, without freaking uh, strong encryption into the play. But if there's a control um, and, and I'm a threat actor, you put a wall in front of me, then I'm going to get a ladder, right? You put wire on that, on that, uh, that wall, I'm going to get a taller ladder. You know, if you put another barrier, I'm going to go under, right? So I'm always looking for ways to to exploit. 
And what I'd even say now is, you know, multi-factor authentication has, has been a great control. I think it's done a lot of, of good to thwart the opportunistic attacks. If a password's compromised, then you have the second factor that has to be applied, um, you know, or else you're not going to get into the system. And now that that's become a very a fairly ubiquitous control, in fact, you can't even get cybersecurity insurance uh, unless you have that in play um, you know, for, your, for your remote logins. Um, that's something that uh, the threat actors have taken note of too. So what are they doing? We're seeing a great level of a lot more concentration of zero day uh, vulnerabilities or exploits that are being uh, developed or, or, or mined, uh, so to speak, because that's going to be their, their new way of, of being able to circumvent things that have not been seen before in the wild. Uh, they want to harvest those so that they can apply that and see if they can make their score as quickly uh, as possible. Right. Uh, well, like I said, it's very depressing for some of us. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot at stake, you know, certainly, but, you know, there's hope too. And, right. you know, being able to work with a company like us, like Ponderance, uh, you know, we can bring a lot of sanity to the process because we're not going to over-engineer your program. We want to bring the right size methodology, the right size procedures, the right size tools uh, to make sure that we're mitigating the risk sufficiently based on your own risk tolerance. Very good. Well, that will pretty much do it for this uh, episode. Uh, Ron Pelletier from Ponderance.com. Thank you for being with us. Carl, thank you for having me. I do appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.